Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Hey, let's start out today with one of the hardest words in the English language. Are you ready? It's a four-letter word. Wow. What a terrible word. Don't use that word. That's terrible. I don't want to wait for anything. Do you? I don't want to wait. I want what I want when I want it, and I want it now, right? I mean, this is so true for all of us. Waiting is a terrible thing. It's no fun. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's stressful. Nobody would choose to say, hey, I'd like to wait, right? Nobody. It's a little bit different than this. Wait on. If I'm waiting on someone, it does make, well, it can make waiting a little bit easier. If I'm waiting on someone I know cares about me, respects me, is doing everything they can to help me, waiting's hard, but it can make it a little bit easier. If I'm waiting on someone who's an absolute doofus, then it makes waiting even harder, right? So waiting on someone can change things a bit, but I hate waiting and I hate waiting on people. And what about if I filled in this and said, I'm going to wait on God? You're like, what do I have to wait on God for? I don't know why you're here, but I gotta just be honest. Jersey Joe is here because I want God. I mean, I honestly want to know the heart of God. I want to hear his voice. I wanna follow his lead. I wanna do what makes him happy. I want to honor God. I want God to work in your life. I want God to work in my kid's life. I want God to work in my family. I want God to work in my neighborhood. I want God to work in our country. I want God to be at work in me, and I have to wait for that, and it's really hard, because I don't want to wait. I want God to work on me, in me, through me, change me, do all of that right now. And when I wait on God, I have choices about how I'm going to wait. I can really, God? Like, come on. Like, you, you, you tell me that you care about me. You tell me that you care about my family. You tell me that you care about helping. You tell me you care about healing. You tell me you care about things and you love and you're all kind and all powerful. Like, where are you? Like, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do what you're going to do? And why are you doing it on your tide table? Why aren't you doing it on my tide table? It is so easy for us to grumble, to complain, to moan to be like, I don't like how you're doing this and when you're doing it and why you're doing it. I got a problem with it. It's different than trusting where I still can be honest with God and say, I don't like this. I'm struggling with this. This is hard for me. I wish it was different. I wish your timing was different, but God, I trust you. I don't understand you. I'm not sure why you do what you do, but I know that you love me. You care about me. You're for me. Your plans are perfect. Your plans are good. So while I'm waiting on you, I'm going to choose to grumble or I'm going to choose to trust. It's a conscious decision that we make. And at the very start of the Bible, grumbling begins. 
So we're in this series working our way through the entire Bible in a year. And you see very early on that the children of God are learning to wait on God and it's causing them to grumble. And when you have to wait on God, you never grumble, right? So so I ask you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, we use the New International Version of the Bible. If you have a paper copy, that's great. If you have an electronic copy, you can download one. We'd love to give you a Bible. If you need one, go to guest services or chat us up online. We'll get you a Bible. You can download one. Love for you to follow along. Here's what we're going to see in Exodus chapter 16. God has been faithful to the children of Israel. And though he's been faithful... They continue to grumble. He does some really powerful things to them. He provides for them in spectacular ways, and yet they continue to grumble. Yet they find reason to complain. Although God shows himself in miraculous ways, they groan, they complain. But you and I never do that, right, against God. All right, just a quick show of hands. Have any of you ever starved to death? Raise your hand high. Have you starved to death? Raise your hand. Like, have any of you been hungry? How about hungry? You're like, right now, I'm hungry. (laughs) Have any of you ever doubted that God is real? I'm the only one. Have you ever struggled to wonder if he's good and kind like I have? Do you have breath in your lungs right now? I don't know. Is there anyone? (laughs) See, if I'm alive, yes, I hunger. Yes, I struggle. Yes, I doubt. But I have air in my lungs. And the reason I do is because God is my provider. He gives me everything. And it's so easy to grumble about what I don't have instead of trusting him for what I do have. Here in Exodus chapter 16, what we're going to see is that sometimes God puts his kids into seasons of waiting to build our faith and trust in him. God, would you help us now as we learn from your word that we'd be honest with what we feel and with what we struggle with, that you would help us to see that trusting in you and waiting on you is hard, but we can trust in you and not grumble. We can trust in you and find peace. And as we wait, we want to hear your voice and follow your lead, so help us. And do with your word what I can't do as a man. I can't bring these words alive and change people's hearts, but you can, and I trust you, and I believe you, that you're gonna do good things today through your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus chapter 16. You know what happens right before Exodus 16? Exodus 15. (laughs) And before we get to Exodus 16, there's just something that Moses writes in Exodus 15, 25 that I just have to say. It's a promise that God gives that's worth us looking at as the context for Exodus 16. Exodus 15, verse 25, there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them, the people of Israel, and put them to the test. So what we're about to read happens right after these plagues to the people of Egypt and right after God parts the Red Sea and destroys the people of Israel's enemies God says, I'm about to test you, he says in verse 26. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in God's eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. 
I am the Lord who heals you. These people have been enslaved for 400 years. They've been abused and mistreated and they've been traumatized. They've cried out to God for help. God has helped them and said, I'll bring you out of Egypt. And he's like, come on, let's go. And they're like, yay, you're going to save us. He brings them out. And then they get to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army pins them against the Red Sea and they're, oh, oh no. And then God parts the Red Sea and they walk across and they go, oh yeah. And then God, as he walks the enemies through, he drowns all of them. They see people floating that they hate and that's like, yay, but that's cool. That's weird and that's hard and ah, trauma. Like this is all hard and crazy and weird. And now they get to this point where he says, I'm going to test you because they're going, what's going to happen now? Like think of all that's gone on. They're going, what's going to happen next? How are we going to eat? Where are we going to live? What are we going to do? What's going to happen next? Are we there yet, God? And at this point, you can imagine that they're like, what's going to happen? And it's interesting that God promises them right here, as you wait, listen to my voice, and that's when you'll be healed. And you see this pattern throughout the Bible, that God wants his children to listen to his voice. And sometimes he puts us in seasons and situations to cause us, test us, to wait on him. And he's like, are you gonna listen to my voice? Are you gonna listen to your own voice? You see, in this moment, all they wanna know is, when am I gonna get married? When am I gonna have kids? When am I gonna get a job? How am I gonna feed my family? How am I gonna plug in my Tesla? You're thinking all these practical things as they wander through the desert after God's done all these miraculous things. What are we going to do next? How is this all going to happen? What is going on, God? And he says, if you wait on me and listen to me, I will heal you. And the same theme runs throughout the whole Bible. Listen to the voice of God and watch what he's going to do. Listen to the voice of God. Watch what he will do. And that's sort of the background to Exodus 16, verse 1 which is one month after they left Egypt. Now remember, they leave Egypt in a short notice. God's like, hey, leave Egypt. Pack up your stuff. You got two hours. We're leaving. And they have short notice. One month later, Exodus 16.1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and they came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. So one month later. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They're one month into their camping trip and they start to complain. Now, I just want to say for the record, I'd be like three days into the camping scene and I'd start to complain. So actually, it's like, it's not so bad. They're one month in, they start to complain. And it's interesting, their complaint was, if you read it, their complaint is, man, life was really good when we were slaves. Like, it was really great to be enslaved because at least when we were enslaved, we knew where our paycheck was coming from. We know where our food was coming. Why, God, would you bring us all the way out here to kill us in the desert? Why didn't you just take us out back then? And they completely disregard all these miraculous things that God did for them over the last month. Verse four, then Moses said to them, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. You hear that? They're grumbling, and the Bible says waiting is often a test of whether we're going to grumble 
or we're going to trust. This is too hard. I wish I had different life circumstances. I wish God did this for me. I wish God provided this for me. Why does it have to be this way? Or God, you've been faithful. You've brought me this far. I trust you. This is a test. Skip down to verse nine. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling." So picture this, they're one month in the camping trip, they're grumbling and saying, we want food. Moses says to Aaron, say to the entire assembly, come before the Lord, he's heard your grumbling. Now, if God emailed you today and said, hey, come into my office, I heard your grumbling. How how are you gonna approach that meeting? Are you gonna be nervous or are you gonna be excited? Like, I think we're all a little nervous. God heard their grumbling and he says, hey, come here, I wanna talk to you, verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites, tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And this is the theme that goes throughout this section of the Bible. God's gonna do this miraculous thing. He's gonna do this powerful thing so that you would know that he is God and now He's gonna give them food so that they will know. And I think it's incredible because as you wait, you have the option to learn about the patience of God, that he is a patient protector and provider. That if this was me and I was listening to my spoiled, rotten kids complaining about all they don't have and wishing they could go back to what they just asked to get out of, I would rain down fire on them. I would not rain down food, right? And yet, what does God do? He provides for his children. Instead of punishing them, he provides. And this is the character of God, again, through the entire Bible, that just when you think he's going to be angry or upset, he's patient because he knows your struggles. He knows your trauma. He knows your unbelief. He knows your doubts. And rather than giving you what you deserve and zapping you with fire, he's patient. Verse 13, that evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw this, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for for each person that lives in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it, it was by the omer. The one who gathered much didn't have too much. And the one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had gathered as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. So God's feeding them meat and bread in a miraculous way. But once again, he gives them meat and bread, but he gives them very specific instructions. As you wait, trust God to be your daily provision. I'm going to give you bread, but I'm going to give you enough for the day. I'm not going to give you any more. And when you try to save up the bread for the next day, it's not going to go well. I provide for you what you need in the moment. And that's really hard for us, right? Most of the people of Israel listened, but however, verse 20, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was all full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them because it's really hard for us to trust God daily, isn't it? I mean, I got my plans. I got my savings account. I'm a control freak like you, 
right? So if I'm given an opportunity to save, I'm going to be a prepper. I know some of you are too. Some of you are whack preppers, right? Like you're like, you know what's going to happen next? I got to stockpile all this stuff instead of going, wait, God, you're my daily provision. You provide for me what I need for the day. And God is trying to train his people that I will give you what you need for the day. And that is really hard. Not necessarily what you want, but what you need for each and every day. Nothing more, nothing less. Verse 21, each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is the day of a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you're to gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, there will not be any to gather. And in this giving of meat at night and bread in the morning, meat at night, bread in the morning, meat at night, bread in the morning, he's teaching them, hey, just take what you need for the day, not anymore, I'll provide for you tomorrow, and oh, by the way, on the sixth day, take double, because that next day, I just want you to rest, and what I give you in that sixth day will be enough to last you for the seventh. And he's setting into motion this reminder of a creative rhythm that he puts on the entire earth from the beginning of time. Work hard six days, rest. Work hard six days, rest. Trust me for your daily provision, rest. Trust me for your daily provision, rest. I will provide for you daily and weekly. Trust me. And he puts this into the design of humanity, wait on God, listen to his voice, trust him daily. And yet like us, these people were slow. Verse 27, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? People have been shown this over and over again. Listen to my voice. I'll provide for you daily. Some of them just don't get it. They're a little bit slow. They go out and try anyway. And God says to them, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? What a great question. Just look at that for a second. How long, God says, will you keep, refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? It's interesting. When I'm waiting... I often ask God that same question. God, how long? How long is this going to go on? How long do you heal? How long do you give me a job? How long do you answer me? How long? How long? How long? And I never wonder what God thinks when I'm asking him how long. I wonder if he's going to send the same question back to me. Hey, Joe, how long for you? Do you actually listen to me? you actually obey me? actually follow what I have to say? How long are you going to stop trying to negotiate with me about your life? Stop cutting corners. Stop following your feelings. Stop doing whatever the heck you want and ignoring that there is a God. How long is it going to take you to wake up and see that you doing it your own way just makes it a bigger mess? 
I just wonder if God ever asks the question to me when I'm asking it to him. God, how long do I have to wait till you fix this? And he might look at Joe and say, Joe, how long until you trust me and follow what you know is true and right? Exodus 16 ends with this little footnote in verse 35. It says, the Israelites ate manna 40 years. What does that mean? The Israelites ate manna 40 years. That means this test that God put them in was a time test. And it took them 40 years to pass the test. Did it need to take 40 years? I don't think so. It took 40 years because they were slow to listen and follow and obey. And because they were slow to listen and follow and obey, the test went on and on and on and on. I wonder for you and for me if we're caught in a season of waiting and wondering we're waiting on God and we're saying to him, how long, oh God? I wonder if he's looking right back at us and saying, this is going to go on as long as it takes for you to learn to trust me because you're doing your own thing. You're ignoring me. You're rebelling against me. You're disowning me. You're acting like a spoiled child. And this will go on as long as as it takes to you learn. I'm not saying that's every time and every season of waiting, but I wonder, I wonder if you're stuck. I wonder if it has more to do with my and your obedience than it has to do with what God is up to. He wants to train us and teach us. So if you have your Bibles, go forward a little bit to Deuteronomy chapter eight. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses one through five. I want to point this out to you because I think what Moses is going to write in Deuteronomy 8 kind of helps us to have a bird's eye view of what's taking place in the book of Exodus. It's going to clarify and help us to understand. And the words in Deuteronomy 8 are worth your homework assignment to go into your small group or go somewhere and read these five verses and look at them and sort of analyze them and think about them in your own life. They're worth your time. Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 5 says, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today. This is God speaking. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised in an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Remember how God led you. Remember how he led you to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. God humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't swell up during those 40 years Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. That when you're in this journey, children of Israel, that God is doing something to test you and to teach you and to humble you and to cause you to learn something. And he says this line, as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines his children. 
If you put your faith and trust in Jesus today, you're a child of God. Anyone want to be disciplined by God? Like, I don't want to be disciplined by God because to me that sounds like he's going to put me over his knee and spank me. He's going to put me in time out. Does anybody just want that? No, but we're, we're not hearing it right. When the Bible says God disciplines his children, it's God trains his children. Do you want God to train you? I mean, maybe some of you are like, no, I don't. Okay, you're, you're fine. But if you say, no, I do want God to train me, I want God to change me, I want God to grow me, then guess what? He is going to discipline you. If you want to win a gold medal in the bobsled, or do you see those mogul runs? Do you do it without training and discipline? And if we want to grow in our faith and be used by God and know God and learn from God and be changed by God, it's going to require discipline and we all look at it and go, I don't want that, but I want that, right? It's like, I don't want it, but I do want it. I get it, but we have to learn that this is what God does. And it's interesting in Deuteronomy 8 verse three, he says, here's what this training is gonna do. He wants to train us that we would know that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That kind of sounds weird. He's trying to teach us that we don't live on bread alone. What does he mean? It means our very life isn't just about food or about our appetites for more sex and more possessions and more fame and more likes, more highs and more comfort that our life is not made up of these appetites, but actually what our life is made up is the very word of God, that God as sovereign over the universe holds everything together with his words. And when we ignore the creator, the sovereign, the one who sustains everything with his words, and we ignore his commands, we think we're finding life, instead we're finding death. He's saying, I'm trying to teach you, sons and daughters, that your life is held together by my words. Listen to my voice and be healed. Listen to my voice and find hope and find peace. And he uses situations in our life to train us to think that way because nothing in our society is gonna train that. Our society is gonna teach us to train to love our appetites and follow our appetites and do what we feel and what's most comfortable, when that path is leading us straight to a living hell on earth and an eternal hell forever. And God's like, sons, daughters, children, I have something so much better for you. So much more hope and so much more peace and so much more joy and so much more purpose that you don't live by your appetites, bread alone, but by every word that comes from my mouth, hang on my words and you will find life and peace and healing and hope. So you go back to this. Wait on God. Why, why does he want us to wait on him? It's this simple word. He's training us. Because this is hard. You know, as hard and most difficult as your life is right now, is there any guarantees it's not going to get harder? The hell that you're in right now, does it mean that they won't get more hellish? See, the children of Israel are walking through the situation and all they need is bread and water. That's a big deal. Bread and water is a big deal. But God's like, hey, I'm leading you into something much more difficult than bread and water. And I want you to learn to wait on me. I'm gonna train you to wait on me 
And when you wait on me to not grumble, because it's so easy to complain, but instead to trust you that you got a plan and you have a purpose and you're for me and you're not against me and you're gonna forgive me of my sins and change my life, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna make a choice. When your words come, am I gonna ignore you or am I gonna obey you? Because I'll tell you what, there's plenty of times in my life where I trust God but I don't obey him. Have you been there? Times when you believe but you're not willing to obey you're negotiating, you're hedging, you're following your feelings, you're doing what you want, and you're going, well, God, forgive me. God, I'll turn to God another day. I'll get there at some point. And you go, I, I don't need you, God. I trust you, you're alive, you're real, you're good, but to heck, I'm gonna obey you. There's plenty of times that waiting on God gives us the choice whether we're gonna ignore him or obey him. And here's what I love about the Bible. The Bible from the beginning to end is this library that all points in the same direction. It's this cohesive message that teaches all the same themes and patterns about who God is and what he's doing in this world. And what God does in Egypt in Exodus chapter one and in the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 15 and 16, he's pointing to something greater. He's like, here's bread from heaven. I'm gonna fade you with bread from heaven and, and water. I'm gonna give you all you need to eat because there's a day coming where I'm gonna solve all your problems in a much grander way than food. I'm gonna satisfy your greatest hunger, which is a need for forgiveness that you can't do your own. You can't supply yourself food or water. You also can't supply yourself forgiveness. There's a day coming I'm going to give you a different kind of bread from heaven. And so Jesus says in John chapter Six, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, so he supplies bread for them in the wilderness, pointing to a greater day when Jesus is gonna come and provide forgiveness, because you can't supply it for yourself. It's a gift from God that comes from him. He says, I am the bread of heaven, whoever comes to me will never go hungry or thirsty again. Have you tried to do it yourself? You see, all of this, I'm gonna wait on God, he's gonna train me, I'm gonna trust God, he's gonna train me. I'm gonna obey God, he's gonna train me. It's all pointing to Don't you wanna be satisfied? Really, another orgasm is gonna do it? Another high is gonna do it? Another relationship, another job? Another new piece of tech device, is that gonna do it? More money, more popularity, is that gonna satisfy you? Or are you designed by God to find satisfaction in him? And as much as you seek it and try to do it your own way, if you're not trained by this, you're going to wander and you're going to get yourself lost for a very long time, maybe eternally. And so God's like, would you wait on me? I love you. Would you wait on me? I'll provide for you. Would you wait on me? I'll forgive you. Would you wait on me? And I'll put my spirit inside you to help you. Would you wait on me? 
And don't grumble. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Trust me, I'm good. I love you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Would you stop ignoring me and running after every other voice and every other feeling? Would you obey me? Because in this you will be trained and in this you will be satisfied. And this is God's design for us, but it starts so many times in seasons of waiting. If you're in a season of waiting today, how are you handling it? God, I ask that you would do a work in us because these are hard truths. This is difficult. This isn't easy. Some people here today are struggling to even believe whether you exist. I pray that you would show yourself to them today. Some people doubt whether you're good. I pray you would show your goodness to my friends who are listening to me online. To those of us who put our trust in you and you put your spirit in us, you use the training ground of waiting to give us choices to make whether we're going to trust you or complain, whether we're going to ignore you or obey. And in our decisions come results. Some of us have been in really long seasons of waiting. Please give peace and power and perseverance to those who are waiting. I pray that you'd ask, help us to ask hard questions about ourselves, about what we're doing while we're waiting, whether we're continuing to ignore you, and maybe that's the source of our waiting, because we haven't passed the test yet. Give us humble hearts and teach us to know that we live not by material things or appetites, but we live by your sustaining power and word. Satisfy us, God, I pray. Through Christ our Lord, amen.